This week in the parish of Bourses and Market Structure, Ledger Edge closes. Is the DOJ blinking on Binance charges? Ice Black Knight springs to life as Tokyo goes international. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 206. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter. The unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details on our brand new website at exchangeinvest.com. Can we decentralise time? Went one of the headlines this week in our Bit Carnage section, also available separately via Substack. Is CZ running out of time? Noted the Bankless Times in a headline, and it's a good point. As noted previously, CZ's empire increasingly looks like the crypto equivalent, as I have said many times before, of the knight in Monty Python's Holy Grail, who has lost all his limbs but continues to demand the other party fight on. The suggestion last week by the Wall Street Journal that Binance's biggest business line is in China, aka a nation where it's illegal to have crypto trading and that amounts to up to 20% of total Binance volume, would infer, even if remotely true, that CZ's routes to sustaining his business are diminishing as more and more shackles of bans, withdrawals and legal actions mount up. Even without the US DOJ yet discovering the necessary nerve, or who knows, perhaps they lack evidence, to go criminal with their investigations, a big hot topic this week, the many significant threats to Binance and CZ remain. That makes it hard to discern how the company can keep running day to day while undergoing so many investigations and so much flack. Time is not on Binance's side right now, given the weight of accusations and investigations, let alone direct criminal threats perhaps mustering too. And of course, in the background is the DOJ, rumoured this week to be concerned that they might cause a systemic crash. But ultimately, Binance is a minuscule token in the world of finance compared to the legacy financial business. It looks more like it's time to act now. Is time running out for Binance? If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day in Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage as a standalone, the daily updates on the happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets, you can find BitCarnage on Substack. Ledger Edge has gone into administration. One day after we published last week Ice Panjandrum, Chris Edmonds' excellent article, The Failed Promise of Unregulated Crypto, noting the lack of institutional appetite to invest in crypto markets in the digital asset corporate bond platform Ledger Edge is dead. A blow to David Rutter's R3 ambitions after raising several gazillion way back when Crypto V1.0 was the future. It's sad for the Dave Rutter developed corporate bond platform, but absolute proof of Chris Edmonds' timely peace, which of course led Exchange Invest Daily, Exchange Invest Bitcarnage, and indeed also this podcast in the course of the last week. 
Meanwhile, better news for Intercontinental Exchange itself. Intercontinental Exchange, Black Knight and the Federal Trade Commission jointly agree to dismiss Federal court case pending settlement negotiations. We've talked about this a lot over the course of recent months. What we perceived was potentially a thaw, having discussed what we termed the Lena Khan dilemma in parish notes and exchange invest in the middle of July, where I pondered, could the FTC now be in full retreat mode given its issues elsewhere, particularly during the course of what had been a torrid week for Lena Khan and her agency being sued left, right and centre. That announcement in mid-July was followed within hours of Exchange Invest hitting your inbox with news of a second divestiture by Black Knight to Constellation Software, this time the optimal blue business. Previously, of course, Alison Black Knight had announced that they had an agreement to sell Black Knight's Empower loan origin system business, including its exchange, lending space and AIVA solutions, also to a division of Constellation Software. Further action by the FTC had been announced in March. Now we have a court case being dropped. The case remains what we noted then, that was in April of this year, back to ICE in the broader antitrust case. It's still one where the authorities are myopically chasing old definitions as opposed to looking to the future. That's a tragic parable which could be true of either side of the political aisle essentially anywhere in the world. The worry remains in DC, does Joe Brezhnev and his administration know there is a thing called the interweb or some malarkey to that effect? It never struck me as unreasonable for the FTC to investigate per se. However, I have been surprised by the viciousness of FTC action. It almost felt political. Anyway, it appears we may have a chance to negotiate a settlement, which I'm sure will be to the benefit of all parties involved. Some were without a negotiated settlement, but finally the government's worried officials fear for the future of Ireland's stock market as major players leave for the US. The Department of Finance officials there have raised questions over the future of Ireland's stock market. In one way this is true, in another way the Irish government has long been lax in helping defending their national monopoly, or indeed the creation of wealth through stock markets as a whole. Back to you Dublin. Over in central Wellington, there was a brief kerfuffle this week when the New Zealand Exchange's building was evacuated after a fire was discovered in the ceiling. Everything ultimately was fine and it was good to see NZX able to capitalise on their flexibility from having both offices in Wellington and Auckland. And then again, they had a lot of practice during New Zealand's strict Covid lockdown regime. In results news this week, the Intercontinental Exchange reported a strong Q2 for 2023. Revenues up 4%, operating income up 10%, and it was the best Q2 in ICE history, despite last year being a pretty nifty Q2 in its own right. As Jeff Sprecher noted during the ICE quarterly conference call with analysts, ICE is an all-weather name that generates growth on top of growth. Other interesting news, and there were a plethora this week. All of them were in Exchange Invest, the newsletter of the Bourse business that you really need to be reading if you want to know what's happening in the exchanges themselves. That's why we call ourselves the Exchange of Information, folks. SIBO Global Markets reported results for Q2 2023. Net revenue there up 10%. Operating income looking spectacular at 244.8 million, which was almost exactly the opposite of the operating loss of 237.4 million that they booked last year. It's easy to forget this year that SIBO can celebrate jam in the latest quarter after last year being early out of the gates to write off crypto assets. That came, of course, at a point when I noted at the time in Exchange Invest 2417 
SIBO moving fast to reprice its crypto-centric leg of Eris X, but where that could look virtuous on one level is also subtly putting pressure on public and private entities alike who are vastly more exposed to Bitcoin and friends, whereas for SIBO it's a rounding error. As an acquisitive entity in recent years, the rapid write down makes sense as it may help produce more and better priced deals in the crypto space. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think that strategy paid off as this write down definitely did not help the likes of FTX survive the year intact. As to SIBO more globally, it's the world's most global stock trading platform has some awesome assets and a good cadre of management, but it's stuck in a parochial linearity, which it needs to break out of with more pragmatism and dynamism during its 51st year and beyond. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. New markets this week. India's new diamond exchanges pipped the Pentagon as the world's largest office block. There's a bit of real estate news for you. And the Taiwan Carbon Exchange has opened in Kaohsiung. Deals this week. There were a multiplicity of deals, actually. Some very, very interesting ones. We won't have time for all of them today in this podcast. Just to give you three highlights. Blue Ocean Technologies. They provide after-hours trading in particular US stocks. They're teaming up with the Tokyo Stock Exchange. They've announced a partnership and also Tokyo Stock Exchange have bought 5% of the company. And that's going to deliver a very, very interesting opportunity to trade US stocks after-hours but during the middle of the Tokyo trading session itself. Coinbase, meanwhile, they've commenced a tender offer cashing in up to $150 million. They're making a purchase price on outstanding 3.625% senior notes due 2031. I'm perplexed here, ladies and gentlemen. Why on earth would Coinbase be buying back paper when it would have to spend a lot more money in order to manage to issue it in the future? It seems very, very strange to me. Meanwhile, spectacular news out of Hong Kong and Macau. Charles Lee, his new venture, MicroConnect, which has started a platform to trade revenue-based obligations, formed in 2021 in Hong Kong. And of course, MicroConnect also now is the licensee of the Macau Stock Exchange, which is scheduled to launch soon. It's a fascinating product set based on revenue funding related to Chinese businesses where cash is de facto anathema within the Chinese economy. MicroConnect is now, ladies and gentlemen, a unicorn valued at 1.7 billion US dollars, that's Chinese RMB 7.7 billion, after its latest funding round after raising US 458 million in a Series C offering announced this week, organised by Goldman Sachs. Lesser deal, but nonetheless quite interesting. Deutsche Börse's BB1 Ventures are investing in block trading platform Optimex. Alongside that, there will also be an investment made by Aquas Exchange, which is quite fascinating. I must admit, I don't know what a new block venue entity can do in the equity market space, but it's interesting that Optimex clearly think there is an opportunity and have snagged a DB1-led round, including some funding from Aquas. Interesting that the pre-money on the first tranche is $10 million. That's the lowest I've seen in a platform for quite some time, but perhaps reflects the great difficulty in truly delivering a new block venue where SIBO have the global market power and a lot of also-rans, including one-time leader LiquidNet, have perceptions of moat.
Meanwhile, if you're looking for some reading to keep you up to date with the world of blockchain technology and financial markets as a whole and where exchanges are going, you ought to be considering my latest book, Victory or Death, Blockchain Cryptocurrency in the Fintech World. It's an easy read all about the future of financial markets, building the capital market revolution tradition. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and it's distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Don't forget, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream Tuesday, 6 o'clock London time, 1 o'clock New York time. It's the IPO video live live show. You can catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. We're currently on a summer break for lives, but we are repeating some of the classic shows during the course of the year on Tuesdays at 1 o'clock London, 6 o'clock Eastern. And for example, coming up in the next live show is going to be after Labor Day, and that's going to be Reiner Zetelman making a return. He's going to be talking about the wealth elite. Finance Book of the Week this week, we're looking at Gregory Zuckerman's The Frackers. He's a three-time winner of the Gerald Loeb Award, whatever that stands for, but presumably good books, because I have to say this is a cracker, ladies and gentlemen. I find it absolutely fabulous from start to finish. It's a few years old, but The Frackers, the outrageous insider story of the new billionaire Wildcatters, is a truly dramatic narrative tracking the brutal competition amongst headstrong drillers known as Wildcatters, who solved America's dependence on imported energy in the process, making and losing astonishing fortunes. The Frackers, absolutely a must-read, and once again you can get it via all the usual sources, including Amazon. We'll be unveiling our next book of the week in the next Exchange Invest weekend edition on Saturday. Don't forget, if you want to read Exchange Invest's macro view of the world in the weekend, it's absolutely free. You can sign up at exchangeinvest.com. But while you're there, consider a free trial to the Exchange of Information. Exchange Invest, the newsletter of the Bourse business, the unique newsletter of the Bourse business, and that is only $349 per annum to join the exchange of information. And let's face it, when it comes to that, how much is your career worth? Because believe me, it's certainly a massive opportunity to profit within the exchange industry. Product news this week. SIBO have introduced new options contracts on corporate bonds and China and Saudi Arabia are in talks to deepen stock exchange cooperation, including the possibility of ETF cross-listings. Technology this week. Very, very interesting. EDAA, the capital market regulator, have announced that they're going to be introducing a cut in settlement time on Qatar exchange from T plus 3 to T plus 2 starting from January 2024. Tel Aviv Stock Exchange, they've signed an agreement with Fireblocks to provide technological infrastructure for a comprehensive range of digital asset products and services. I must admit I'm a bit concerned here. Tays seem to be diving into digital assets just when at least two folks with a modicum of track record are saying the whole institutional crypto thing just isn't happening. If you don't know who those two blokes are, you obviously haven't been reading Exchange Invest Daily. That's all I can say. Finally, this week in technology news and acquisition, Market Access are acquiring the algorithmic trading provider Pragma. Regulation news this week. One key story, very interesting. What's the pivot here? SEC Chairman Gary Gensler predicts AI will be the centre of future crises, future financial crises. That's fascinating altogether in a week when, of course, what I have to say strikes me as a little bit of overreach in the world of messaging, netted a cool half billion dollars across a series of banks for Gensler's SEC. In career paths, the ASX has appointed Diona Ray as COO. She's already in situ and therefore running down the clock until she departs. That leaves us with, of course, two key questions to open the book and wonder who's next to leave the ASX C-suite and how long will the new COO last? 
At the same time, ASX appointed Alan Cameron as independent chair for a new clearing and settlement advisory group. ASIC welcomed the establishment of an ASX advisory group and the appointment of Alan Cameron AO as independent chair. The pressure needs to be maintained on ASX as its shameless chairman has broadly sought to Howard Davis the whole process of taking responsibility for the shameful chess debacle. Now, I appreciate that those who endeavoured to steal what was at one time several billion dollars worth of merchandise probably don't immediately sound like a feel-good story. But nonetheless, we did cover it in Big World this week, where we're having a month of good news for August. The tale, however, of Razzle Khan, a truly mellifluously untalented rapper, Heather Morgan, who adopted her rap alias as she was referencing Genghis Khan, but with more pizzazz in her own words, is quite a startling tale indeed. If you can manage a video excerpt, it ought to add a smile to your day. Go check out something like Versace Bedouin. Anyway, Heather Morgan and her husband Ilya Lichtenstein were arrested in February 2022. And they finally appeared in court pleading guilty to various issues pertaining to the hack on Bitfinex in 2016. Fascinating numbers. The Bitcoin was worth $71 million at the time in 2016 when the hack took place, but it appreciated to more than $4.5 billion at the time of their arrest. Nowadays, the feds have adjusted their prosecutorial claim to circa $3 billion of restitution in keeping with the collapse in the crypto market. Today's sting in the tail, though, the meme stock poster child GameStop is going to stop supporting its crypto wallets, citing regulatory uncertainty. When even GameStop is abandoning the crypto sphere. Well, on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, developer of marketplaces the world over, publisher of Exchange Invest, and of course the author originally of Capital Market Revolution. I wish you a great week in life and markets and perhaps even the bits which are still thinking blockchain is the future. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.